Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted it's a full house. We have James French, Lloyd Patrick Jepson and Jim Orr joining us on the eve of the big one. Did you all have a good Christmas, gentlemen? Yeah? You're in that period where you're scared to answer? Yeah, decent. There we go. Good, mm-hmm. good. No. It will be topped <laughs> off tomorrow with, with the result. Uh, Jim Orr, the mm. day before the big one, how are you feeling? Uh, okay. I think uh, it could go one of two ways. You know, I think if, uh, if the team that played against Atletico Madrid at home turns up, then we'll do OK. But if the team that played Hearts turns up, mm, we'll be in trouble. So, hey ho, we'll see. We will see. James, what do you think that's down to? Uh, that What Jim has just touched on there, that inconsistency. Where we have seen performances this season, both in Europe and domestically, where we have looked like a decent side. I mean, we tore Aberdeen to shreds. We've seen some really good performances in Europe, yet we are able to serve up the games like we did against Kilmarnock, home and away, and against Hearts in the first half against St Johnston, which uh, which had Brendan Rodgers, the angriest he's ever been as a coach. What do you think that's down to, James? Uh, I think it's probably down to a couple of factors. In general, I think, obviously, the quality across our squad has been has been brought down a good bit since obviously last year with Ange. And as well as I think the way Brendan obviously sets up in Europe, it's, it's a bit more slow, a bit more methodical. And I agree with it because it, it gives us more chance to get results. But I think the way we play probably suits more to play in Europe than it does domestically in terms of kind of playing a bit slower and and being a bit more a bit more um, pragmatic. Like, but as well as I think obviously Rogers is, is man management at times this season probably been a bit a bit erratic like in terms of who's who is he bringing in and out and that's obviously down to I think you can see that he's unhappy with the squad and he's he's talked about wanting quality in January but I think the way he's kind of chopped and changed probably 
hasn't really helped things. I think obviously we we've kind of settled. I think on the eleven with after the Livingston and Dundee games, and Dundee was kind of a bit more positive. And the likes of Bernardo, you've Bernardo, McGregor, Riley midfield. It looks a bit more a bit more consistent there. So yeah, I think it's it's down to a number of things. I think obviously the general quality of our squad and in general, I think Rogers just hasn't really settled on an eleven up to up to the last few weeks. Where I think I think we kind of have a settled eleven now, and you've obviously got. Got the likes of Abada and Atlantic coming back, which is which is great news. It is great news. I've seen the pictures this morning, Lloyd. You will have noticed them on the old uh, Celtic social media pages, whereby um, Hatati and Abada are fit and firing. I mean, it does beg the question, though. If they're fit, what do you do with them? Do you throw them in? Are they on the bench? How's that going to be managed by Brendan Rodgers? I don't particularly know how it'll be managed by Brendan Rodgers, but um, going by myself, if I had to choose that, I, even one option on the bench in 45 minutes, they won't start I wouldn't be against that because the two of them make a massive difference to this team. And you can see in the last few weeks, we have been lacking that because I was at the game against Livingston and I think I text during it as well that you're missing a bad runs on Hatati, finding Kyogo as well. And when you unlock Kyogo, you know you're guaranteed goals for this team and we need him on form tomorrow because that is how we're going to win the game. It's going to be massive, isn't it? Um, Jim, I've always got a wee bit of apprehension if a player's just coming back, no game time in their legs over the last couple of weeks and you throw them in. I know that Hatati and Abada know this fixture. They've been through it. They've been very successful within this fixture. Jim, what's your thoughts on that, having watched Celtic over... Um, you know, numerous decades, Jim or you and I, I'm always a bit apprehensive, a wee bit worried about it. How how, do, how would you play it? I team picked itself, surely. Uh, as James said a minute ago, uh, there's no way you bring back either of the two players. It's too soon. I think the manager isn't a risk taker. Right? He plays things pretty safe mm-hmm. most of the time. And I think the team picks itself tomorrow. I think uh, Maeda on the left to keep Tavernier quiet, switch Palmer to the right. Bernardo's had a decent couple of games, scored a goal, his confidence is up. I think he'll play him, a bit of physicality there. Carter Vickers doesn't make it, Welsh comes in. So I think I, I think team picks itself. I mean, you can put a thousand people on the bench these days, so there's no reason why Hatati and Abado on the bench. And if things aren't going well with 25, 30 minutes to go, then maybe you might take a risk on them. Maybe you certainly don't start with them. No. Listen, I think it's a good point. You put them on the bench, gives you a right good option in the second half. Something we've been lacking. Uh, over the last few weeks and of course when we've thrown in Mikey Johnson he done the business mm-hmm. against Dundee I'm going to bring this one up um, with absolutely no apologies for uh, bringing Jungle Lion back into the discussion um, because it is to remember Phil O'Donnell who 16 years ago today um, tragically passed away and I'm talking to you Jim because I know definitely it was of your, your era uh, you're of mm-hmm. a vintage similar to myself I remember us signing uh, Phil O'Donnell and he was joining a midfield that comprised of John Collins, Paul McStay, maybe Peter Grant being a ball winner. And we plucked this young guy out of uh, <coughs> uh, Fur Park. He was, for me at that time, one of the most promising, if not the most promising young Scottish footballers um, available. And we added him to that brilliant midfield under Tommy Burns. He was quite a, an early signing under Tommy. Um, his Celtic career was hampered by injury, but he was, a, he was a phenomenal player. And it really was just tragic the way he passed away, wasn't it? Yeah, I think he maybe played at the wrong time. I think uh, you can look at the David Turnbull. I'm not saying they're similar players, but 
similar ideas, up and coming star, Motherwell paid mm-hmm. a lot of money for him at the time. Uh, yeah, played in a team that, that didn't win very much at all, so struggled with injuries. Could, should have been uh, a much better player, a more successful player than he was, but how <clears throat> many went, excuse me, anyone dies that, that young, it's obviously very tragic, but uh, yeah, good player uh, and certainly contributed in, in stopping the 10 back in the day. Yeah, he did, and uh, thoughts and prayers are with Phil's family, friends, I know Simon Donnelly was very tight with them, they both went down to Sheffield Wednesday together. James, you raised a point earlier in relation to uh, man management, and um, it's interesting how we've had kind of two spates of injuries this season, we've had the the, the shocking list of injuries for the centre-halves, which pushed us into making an emergency signing and bringing that Phillips up to the club, even though we had signed another two centre-halves. And, of course, in recent times, we've had um, a similar scenario uh, with uh, wingers, and we're going to be facing an issue going into January and February with a couple more going to the Asian Cup. But how important, again, is it to keep this squad? And it's going to be difficult, uh, but how important is it to keep them happy? Because sometimes... You're going to have to call upon a player who's out in the cold to come in on a big occasion like this. Now, I'm not expecting either Noroki or Lager be able to start tomorrow, but they're going to be one of them's going to be in the squad. Carter Vickers didn't train today. Welsh will take his place. But these two guys have been frozen out, James, and uh, they might be a bit, a bit low in confidence and morale at this moment in time. Yeah, I think at times this season, the way he's handled the squad has been... It's been a bit kind of strange, like in terms of I think Awata at the start of the season. Um, I think he played a couple of games and then he just kind of disappeared from the last day squad, which didn't really make a lot of sense. But I think obviously Carter Rickers is out tomorrow, which is a big loss. But like Naraki is, well, from what I've seen him at the start of the season, the limited minutes I've seen, he, he does look quite confident. Like, and obviously Lagerbelka off the back of scoring against um, Feyenoord, I think some people thought he might kick on. Um, that's obviously not really happened, but I think yeah, it's it's kind of a toss up who he who he picks because of how both of them have been treated um over the last few months. And we're obviously not privy to to how they've been training and, and stuff like that, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense considering I spent four four and a half million on Naraki like and from not to making match day squads is is um is a bit strange, but. Yeah, I think it's been kind of said before that the the size of our squad is uh, is ridiculous. Like the amount of players that are, are um, not going to contribute and that need to be kind of let go in January, the squad needs to be trimmed down kind of big time. And and even saying that that it's not like we've quality options or like across the squad we're going to have to bring in quality in January as well. So um, obviously the crew team is going to have going to really have a task in their hand in January in terms of trimming that squad down. The likes of McCarthy, Kobayashi, who aren't. Who aren't confident, and we know they're they're not good enough. Need to be um, need to be shipped out on loan or permanently. And then kind of, obviously, we know that the the situation with the squad we need quality as well. But yeah, I think it's kind of I'm not really sure it's relevant who kind of gets in the squad between Lagerbelk and Iraqi because I think kind of both of them are kind of on the same kind of level in terms of support from the fans at the moment. Just just because of how little we've seen from them, like. Yeah, we've seen a wee bit more of Lagerbielk. It's in the kind of recency bias in that he scores that goal against Feyenoord. Never seen him since, uh, interestingly enough. But, you know, we haven't seen a lot of them, Lloyd. And it's difficult to make a judgment because we're not seeing them daily on the grass. We're not seeing them at training. Uh, one of them is going to have to take a seat on the bench. Um, and I think that will say a lot in terms of what happens in January because I'm not expecting... I mean, Phillips is going to go back to Liverpool. No one 
no one will argue the toss otherwise. Um, but, you know, Lagerbelt and Naroki, I, I wouldn't expect both of them to be sold so soon after shelling out 7.3 million quid on them. Maybe the indication will be tomorrow whoever makes the bench is the one we'll keep. Yeah, possibly. But you look at the story that came out after the Feyenoord game with Lagerbelka, and he scored the winner, and then 24 hours later, Stephen McGowan's writing in the newspaper that they're apparently going to try and sell them in January, which is just absolutely baffling. <clears throat> Excuse me, Naroki, we've not seen since he, I think it was his hamstring injury uh, way back in September. We've not seen him since then. So you have got to kind of wonder, are these guys good enough? Because if we're putting Welsh back in, now ahead of the two of them, is Welsh now the third choice behind Scales and Carter Vickers? Because Welsh did sign his new contract in the summer. Is that why he signed the new contract? And obviously the Scottish quota and things like that. So you've got these aspects to look at. But obviously, like James said as well, we're going to be looking at quality coming in in January. And the squad is far over bloated. Far over bloated. You've got guys like Kobe Ashe, McCarthy. They're not doing anything. Vata, Turnbull is out of contract in July. So you've got all these situations creeping in, which yeah. will need to be dealt with. 100%. I mean, when we're talking about um, shipping people out, we need to get to a point, I think, where in January we move on uh, twice as many players as we bring in. I'm expecting maybe three in the building. I don't know if they'll all be permanent, uh, but we need to start moving guys on, even if it is uh, on loan. Um, and then in the summer, of course, people come to the end of their contracts, you'll be able to, to move on loads more. Again, Jim, going back to the kind of way football used to be, and we're looking back with the rose-tinted spectacles on, Jim, you know, used to run with, with squads of 18. And now, I know things have changed, but going from that to 32, for me, is a bridge too far. And I always think about having a dozen guys not playing or 14 players not in the match day squad every single week. These guys are unhappy, Jim. And, and that can breed a kind of unhappiness and a morale. Um, and that's a big worry for me as well with, with this bloated squad. Yeah, I mean... Certainly not be too negative today. Big game tomorrow. I think we all have to keep positive. I think the players have to be positive. The manager has to be positive. The fans have to be positive. A uh, couple of games to go and that's a kind of halfway stage. I think then we can assess exactly where we are because it's been a funny old season, a weird season. We've made too many mistakes throughout the club, board level, uh, you know, recruitment level, management level, players level. The whole thing has been a bit of a mess. Yet, you know, we win tomorrow, then they win their games in Hamburg a couple of points ahead and we can reassess things in January. I'm not so confident that we'll get out and sign all these quality players that people are talking about. I mean, obviously, social media is saying that we're linked with this guy from Korea or this guy from Japan and whatever. You know, and is it they can have no smoke without fire type things and then transfers are a gamble anyway. But I just... In any other season, I'd have said we've made too many mistakes to win the league. But still at the halfway stage and there's still loads to play for so I'm hoping the manager sorts things out because the guys mentioned earlier he's made so many mistakes that whole lagger Bielka thing James talked about man management there you want to go in the Champions League game you're knowing the squad for the next game I mean that's that's a shocking way to treat somebody is it not yeah. uh, so I just think at all levels of the club have made so many mistakes but we've been lucky that the team across the river have made just as many mistakes, but they seem to have got themselves together. And that's the concern about tomorrow, because they are the team in form, they are the team of a bit of confidence. They've won a cup, they've got a bit of momentum. And I thought they were slight favourites, but the game's at Celtic Park, there's no away fans. I mean, it's just slightly favourites. So I think 
I think it's got a draw written all over it. To, to, to more, I'd like to win the game, obviously, but I wouldn't be too unhappy with the way things have been going these days. But as I said at the start, it depends what Celtic turn up. Mm-hmm. The first Celtic turn up against Atletico Madrid at home, we win the game, no bother, I think, tomorrow. The second one turns up, it'll be a challenging game tomorrow. But that's the beauty of these games. I mean, kind of, with the three Champions League games at home, packed crowd, brilliant atmosphere, high tempo games, both teams trying to win the game. Hopefully, it's like that tomorrow. That'll play to their strengths, but you know they won't be as defensive as a Motherwell or a St. Johnson. But they can punish us all over the park. They can punish us, and that's that's the fear we have going into the game. But uh, yeah, uh, to answer the question that you said there, that the squad is too big. Again, that's bad planning. Who signed the players? Why did they sign them? Why did they sign so many? Why are we buying a certain type of player, etc., etc. These things don't just happen. It's not. It's not like <laughs> all of a sudden we're sitting here in the. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. End of December, thinking, how do we get here? It's been built up over a number of number of years, actually. The kind of James McCarthy signings of this world, yeah, going to the Far East and bringing in all these players. Is that the only place that we're actually going for players these days? Because that's all it seems to be coming up that we're after this Japanese player or that Korean player. Is that the only place in the world that we're shopping? Why is that? You know, so yeah, squads are too big these days. They have to be managed better. But as that old saying goes, that if you if you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail and we haven't failed yet and that's the bit about get these next two games over with let's see where we are because it won't be too negative today it's been a funny old season you can pick holes in it all over the place uh, but let's turn a bit more positive today that's that's my message I, think. I like that Jim I like the positivity on a Friday going into the big one and uh, love it I've got to say uh, love it you said this at 18 minutes past 12 so before we started and this is not a reference to us of course so many podcasters so negative today, crazy. I don't know. I mean, I've not had time to listen to any other podcast at the moment. But if you do have time to listen, then one you should definitely check out is Jared's Celtic Down Under, the Australian lads, and also Liam, obviously based in uh, Japan. Uh, get them checked out on the YouTube and on the socials as well. Jared is looking forward to tomorrow. Have this feeling we're going to win 3-1. I like that. Um, I think we do have the quality. It's like Jim said before, if we turn up, we will win the game, uh, James, but they they can punish us. And I do feel that there's been a bit of a momentum swing. We have made mistakes this season at various levels of the, of the team and the club. Um, Rangers also did, but the difference has been that they've had a bit of a boost with the new manager coming in. They've won a cup. They've qualified into the next stage in, in European football. They've announced a player. The media are telling us we wanted them, all that usual nonsense before a Celtic Rangers game. So they do have a bit of a bounce about them. 
Um, and I think they'll be coming into this game with that momentum and with that kind of morale and confidence. Uh, but one thing we need to do is uh, to nullify. I think we have to nullify their threats. And when we're talking about the wingers, James, I'm going to throw this one out. Even if Abada was fit, I think it would be harsh to drop Palmer because he's on good form. And although Maeda's has not been on great form, I think he's a he's key tomorrow because he needs to nullify the threat of James Tavernier. So even if Abada was fit, would you play him? I think that's that was a that would be a debate that we would be having right now, based on Palmer's form and the fact that I think we use Maeda as a tool tomorrow uh, in relation to his defensive ability on the left hand side. Yeah, just first to touch on Rangers, I think football fans and players in general like these days are quite fickle and kind of when a new manager comes in there tends to be kind of a um, a bit of a boost for, for uh, in terms of results and stuff and that's obviously what's happened over at Rangers and um, obviously the same thing kind of happened with Beal and um, we obviously had that run of games where they kind of went on a winning run but listen it all kind of there'll be the real test is obviously for them is for tomorrow and if they can can produce that performance against us and um, in terms of Abada, I think people probably have kind of a short memory of Abada. I know he's been he's been out injured for a while, and um, he's he's a he's a great he's a good talent and stuff, and he's he's a goal scorer. But like Abada has parts to his game that aren't kind of as good as probably people remember him to be. Like his, his decision making at times and his distribution as well can be a bit questionable. And he's not gonna he's not gonna fix all of Celtic's problems when he comes back. Um, but he, he definitely is a, a big boost going into tomorrow in terms of what he can offer off the bench and, and his his ability to kind of create chances in the box is his real um, goal scoring now is like like similar to Jack and Max in terms of he just kind of consistently finds himself um with kind of opportunities in the box. But um I think it'd be very harsh to kind of drop Alba for tomorrow in terms of uh, like he's probably been our best signer this summer. Um which is which is kind of it's it's obviously not great in terms of compared to other signings but like his goals, his goals and assists this season have been his, his numbers are brilliant. Um, although his, his play at times can be cons- inconsistent, his his goals and assists kind of numbers speak for themselves. And I think there's no way you can really drop him for tomorrow. No, I, I would agree with that. I think he he is he's still uh, learning um, how Brendan Rodgers wants to play. I think he's kind of changed it, switched it up a wee bit. Um, I think he's developing quite a good understanding with with Greg Taylor. Um, on the left-hand side, so he's going to have to switch on to the right-hand side. Um, do you think, Lloyd, looking at the other fullback in, in Alistair Johnson, the fact that he's maybe not developed a partnership with someone on the right, because you know we've been chopping and changing on the right-hand side, haven't we? Mikey Johnson's mm-hmm. had a spell out there. Palmer himself has played out there, James A. Forrest, um, and even Tilio has made fleeting appearances, but... Johnson hasn't really had that opportunity, has he, to, to build a partnership down the right-hand side? No, he's not. He's, he's, like you said there, he's had that constant, <clears throat> excuse me, that constant change of partner in front of him, so he's not obviously developed that relationship with him. I think he's got a good one with Abada. As James rightly said, he chuck Abada straight in, not played in a long time, and then obviously if he picks up another injury, then you could risk him for the rest of the season. <clears throat> so, and the thing I've, I've got an issue with tomorrow if Maeda played on the right-hand side because I don't think Maeda is as effective at all as what he can be on the left-hand side because, like you're saying, he could nullify that threat of Tavernier bombing forward and he would support Taylor. So we need to use that these type of things to our strengths because that is where they will look to get the ball and be most dangerous, whether it be 
if the ball's whipped into the box or if he set pieces or free kicks. And if you, you stop him coming forward, then he's not as good defensively as what he is attacking. And that's where most of the Rangers threat has come down that wing. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. Let's hear from some of the viewers on the YouTube at Celtic Follower. After and all, need to make sure we keep them away from our box tomorrow. We all know how easy they go down for free kicks and penalties. Jim Orr, what happens? It's a genuine question. Right, what happens tomorrow? <coughs> 60,000 Celtic fans in the stadium. No Rangers fans. A Green Brigade are back. The atmosphere is electric. Kyogo goes past the centre half and is brought down. What happens? Penalty Celtic? Penalty Rangers. <laughs> so, so, will, will it happen? So it was, fourth game. So was that in the box? You just said you went by somebody. In the box, aye. In, in the, the box. box. Oh, aye, definitely. I, I, I think if... Uh, yeah, I think there's a reasonable chance we'll get, we may get a penalty tomorrow. Yeah. These things tend to happen in football. You know, they can have, if it's going to happen, it may be tomorrow. The thing that was mentioned by the guys earlier about Maeda and things like that is, I think it shows up their, their kind of shortcomings that we don't have players who can do more than one thing. Basically. Mm. So, just to take out James' point, Abada's fantastic eye for goal, but technically he's not a particularly good player. But he gets himself in there because Maeda isn't technically a very good player, but he runs his heart out. So, I think there's so much of the team that we can get better. Uh, and if you look at the biggest threat to us of their fullbacks, you know, their fullbacks are no threat to anyone. You know, and that's the thing that I'm, I'm not saying their fullbacks are good defenders, but if you imagine you are Kyogo and you'd have either on one side and Barisic on the other, you'd be loving that. So I think that's where we need to go a bit more in terms of from bringing players in, not to be a wee bit better than somebody else, but to give us more. You know, give us much more than what we've got just now. Arthur Johnson came in this time last year, six months last year, end of the season, great, brilliant, really solid. This year, again, be a bit so-so, I think. Is there much between him and Tony Rolson? I'm not so sure anymore. Greg Taylor does certain things quite well, can't do other things. So when you get through the team, you start pinpointing these things that if you get players that can't do certain things, surely you wouldn't bring somebody else that's better than that. Mm-hmm. So even when we're talking about transfer window and bringing in three or four starters, you're adding in three or four starters, if we even do that, to other guys who have got faults as well. So I think there's a lot we need to do. What was the question? If Kyogo goes by him, I think it's difficult because, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again because it annoys the hell out of me, is VAR. Having two referees will never work. Will never, ever, ever, ever work. And why, why the authorities can't see that is totally beyond me. I don't have an issue, as I said before, with a referee saying, you know what, I didn't see that very clearly. I'll go across to the video and look at it again. But for somebody else to tell you, hey, you may have missed that, that will never, ever work. And I think there has to be some sort of movement from the fans to get rid of that. Because who are the most important people? Most important people are the fans. Mm-hmm. If you say to any fan who goes to a game of football, has VAR made football more enjoyable or less enjoyable? It's less enjoyable. So scrap it. Get rid of it. It's not adding any enjoyment to the game at all. The managers are saying that. The players are saying that. And there was talk about actually making it more, bringing in VAR for yellow cards and what have you. It's just, it's nonsense. And that's why we're concerned about these things. That You're thinking that, uh, I thought, and maybe like most Celtic fans thought, you bring in VAR, then if we thought there was honest mistakes happening, they'll be stopped. And it's when the opposite of that, that you think, well, maybe that should have been given, oh, somebody else has picked it up. The second referee, the second referee will never work. 
All you look for is to referee the games as honestly as they possibly can. And they're humans and they will miss things. They'll absolutely miss things. And I don't have an issue with that. I have a huge issue with somebody... I mean, you imagine a referee. It's a hard enough job as it is. 60,000 fans here tomorrow. Millions watching the TV. And some guy's talking to you during the game. I think you might have missed that. What? Because actually, I, I, I get around to watching the one year of VAR the other day that kind of puff piece that, that they did, you know. And we actually hear what they do in that room. And the amount of conversations that's going back and forth. Let's take it back to the start of the play. Let's do this. What's that? Hold on. It's total confusion. Mm, yeah. But the fundamental point is, if I'm a referee, I'll do the best I can. And if maybe something happens, I don't have a good view of things because there's bodies in the way. I'll say, hold on a second. I'll nip over to the video and look at it again. No, I think I was right. What's it? The second referee says to somebody, I think you missed that. Go and have a look at that. That's, that's, that's just unfair, I think. It's such a stupid system and it has to go. Today's rant, sorry, at 25.56. You've done well. And what I would say, Jim, I know you're an activist and you were talking about a fan movement. Are you going to be the head of that or are you kind of leaving that for the young pops? No, no, the, the anti-VAR movement, I'm there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm leading the crusade. As I said before, the V is okay, it's the R. And to quote that song, throw the R away. Oh, I like it. Oh, beautiful. I thought you just put this thing together. Poetry in motion. Um, we'll be talking a wee bit more about, uh, obviously, what Jim has been up to. You can see the poster behind him there, Bend It Like Bertie. Um, and James, while you're on, I always like to pick your brains about uh, Irish football. What's happening in terms of the replacement? Are, are their names becoming more uh, favoured? Uh, I know that you mentioned Tony Mowbray in the past and Neil Lennon. What's the chat over on Ireland about the new gaffer? It's kind of it's been pretty quiet now, to be honest, about um, who's going to be the next Ireland manager. Uh, I think probably the last name thrown about was Mowbray, and um, the last time I spoke to you about it, um, I think then obviously Lee Carsley is is kind of another favourite and the people's favourite England under twenty one manager. Um, so yeah, it's it's gone on quiet now. Uh, my choice definitely be Lee Carsley. He's won the Euros with England in the summer, and he's an, would have been a former Irish international. So, um, but yeah, it's it's kind of gone all quiet to be honest. What do you reckon, Lloyd and Neil Lennon, making a return to to management and doing it at international level? Do you think that would suit him? Yeah, I think it would quite suit Neil Lennon. But I'm surprised, obviously, the usual names haven't been mentioned about for that job. Yeah, like Sir Roy Keane and all that as well. So, yeah, it does kind of surprise me. So, But I think, as James says, Lee Carsley would actually be quite a good shout because he seems to have developed quite a lot of the players at England under-21s. So... I think he was a former Ireland internationalist as well. So, so I, I think he'd be a really good shirt. You know, when you talk about Roy Keane, though, there, there's certain things where you're looking from the outside looking in and it's obvious to you, right? You think, Roy Keane, you're not a manager, pal. You're a brilliant pundit. Stick to being a pundit. You know, there comes a point and it's like when they're in the bubble, they can't see it because they've got this drive and the determination to succeed in football. They think they can still do it. You can't do it. Just be a pundit. You're brilliant at that. Um, let's bring in a few more comments. Maeda has to play on the left. I agree with this. Uh, no questions asked. I wonder if Rogers will play Palmer on the right or go for a different option. I think Jim made a really good point in relation to Abada. Abada's, for me, Abada's a brilliant player, but he's very different to the likes of Jota, who could take a guy on. He had a trick. Do we have a winger who can do that now? Because Abada's all about pace. Palmer likes to cut inside. Maeda's, uh, he's a workhorse. I'm not sure we've got a, a winger like that um, who can actually take on a man. Michael H, the media have created hype and a frenzy and built the other mob up 
to be world beaters whilst putting us in crisis, which some fans buy into. We need to put them in their place tomorrow, and we will. There's there's an element of what you were saying, though, Jim, in that, yeah, we have made mistakes. If there's a crisis, we've created it ourselves. Um, we're far from having a crisis, but we have made mistakes. And it, I think it goes right back to the the transfer window. People might say, listen, it goes back to allowing Ange Postecoglou to go. He was going to go. He was definitely going to leave the club. That was just the way it was going to be. But I think, um, yeah, crisis, what crisis? Celtic won the game at Ibrox. If we win the game tomorrow, Jim, uh, I think it shows it's uh, massively about mentality. I think uh, Brendan Rodgers has been... You know, he's been in this movie before. He knows what he's doing. And on the day, on their day, I think Rodgers can get them to that point where we can get the result tomorrow. Um, it's about trying to translate that on a consistent basis, Jim. And that's my worry because it's been Jekyll and Hyde all, all season. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think this has been one of the poorest SPFL seasons for a while. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And the top two are obviously better than everyone else, but both of them, I think, are pretty poor they're pretty even to the start of the season. When you look back at last season's games, uh, take away the first Glasgow derby and the last one because the league was over. <laughs> All the games were dead level. Fine margins won the games. We go to Ibrox at the start of the season expecting to lose because with injury crisis and the Laga Bielka and Scales come in. And if, if we do win the league, then, then we have to give a medal for Laga Bielka for that game alone because they held things together. What happened in that game? It was another poor game. We got the big VAR call. They could have quite easily went the other way. So while we are, we are like to do the old uh, knee penalties and all that stuff, we got a big VAR call last time. It could have easily went the other way. And Kyogo showed why he's such a great player. You know, so... And that's what we need tomorrow. We just, we just need to turn up, play the football, and as long as we don't, we're not unlucky and we, and we get any kind of bad breaks from VAR or whoever it is, then we should be OK. But... The last game we played was kind of, it wasn't the greatest game. I don't think they're the greatest teams. Uh, it's different if we were playing them and they were really good. They're pretty average. I mean, I watched the League Cup final, nothing in it, nothing much happened. I saw the game at Motherwell last week. Motherwell, first 20 minutes, kept giving the ball away, lost two daft goals, and then nothing happened. So I don't think either team were particularly good. And I think if you look at the last few games that we've played, <laughs> in the game last Saturday, hoping to beat Livingston, hoping, not, not expecting to beat Livingston. Hoping to beat Livingston. So that's where we are. And as the guy said, Dundee game is a bit better, lose the shots and goal, lose a corner and stuff like that. But we, we've not been great. And if you're them, they'll be looking at us thinking, they're not that good either. So I think it's two fairly iffy teams. Like all these games, first goal will be important in any of these games. Uh, 
yeah, as I said earlier, we turn up, we win. Uh, and I think the manager does know how to play these games. And and he I, I, he has to stand up. He, there's been too many games that he hasn't stood up, I think. With a Hearts game, whether we substitutions he made, you're thinking, mm-hmm. you know, I've never managed a football team. So what do I know? But I don't, I'd love it to. <laughs> I'd love it if someone said, could you explain that to us? He's played with two goals down. Louis Palmer, who's one of our main guys who scored goals, let's take him off wearing a fullback who's hardly kicked the ball. What's, what's, the, what's the logic behind that? You know, so he, he has to step up tomorrow. The players have to step up and the fans have to keep behind the team. Because if we do, you know, end up going a goal or two down, we have to stick with the team. You know, because there's been too many fans too quick, you know, to, to get on their backs. And that's an issue, and that's counterproductive, as I've said before. I don't mind at the end of the game, if you lost the game, you want to boo them because that was unacceptable, fine. But booing during the game, booing half-time, I'll never, ever understand that. And we have to be all as one tomorrow. And as you said before, the GB are back, the boys are back, brilliant atmosphere at the, at the Livingston game last week. Not a great performance, but good atmosphere. Same tomorrow. I've been on record as saying I'd rather these games for home fans only because of that game a year past, February there. Same again tomorrow. Uh, we win the game be positive I am very positive Jim and it's brilliant on a Friday to hear your positivity flowing into the Axon chat uh, loads of good comments I'm going to bring some of them up but Jim mentioned the Green Brigade and boys are back James uh, Rangers fans are locked out how massive is that I mean the timing of it people are going on about oh it was always going to happen I don't think it was as cut and dry as that you know getting the ultras back in uh, and I don't actually think it was for this specific game. We we have, you know, hinted that our thoughts on this show are that they try to lock them out until the Champions League campaign was finished because they would have got loads of heat during those fixtures at home if there was a Palestinian display, which inevitably there would be. Um, and I think that the club were actually absolutely trying to ensure that no heat came on them from UEFA as a result of that. And as soon as the final game it was out of the way, Discussion started up again. Obviously, they weren't back for Hearts, but they did come back against uh, Livingston, and it was noticeable. the The atmosphere was was far better, and it's massive on a game uh, a game like tomorrow, isn't it, James? Yeah, I think people obviously have their, their different opinions around the Green Brigade, but kind of the the TFO and the level of um, the level of atmosphere they bring to the games is, is brilliant. Like it's you can't replace it when when they're gone. Like you saw it, yeah, how much the atmosphere kind of suffered. Like without them and especially the players when you're so used to having um so used to having them in your corner creating that atmosphere and they're gone. It's obviously it, I'm not saying it would have made much of a difference or too big a difference, but it definitely changes the dynamic the dynamic a bit like in terms of in terms of what they're used to. But yeah, it's 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 brilliant to have them back for tomorrow and I think um it just they really adds the atmosphere of the game and Whatever your opinion on them is, I think you you can't really deny that their TFO and the level of support they bring is, is brilliant and best soldiers in the world. So, yeah, I know it's good to have them back. Oh, it's brilliant to have them back. Uh, Lloyd, I think you share the views uh, of James and I and Jim uh, around the ultras coming back. Um, what about what Jim is saying, you know, when it comes to allocations? Is it uh, gone too far, do you think, with regards to... Um, Celtic and Rangers. Um, I, I mean, Rangers have painted themselves into the into the corner of the room with this one because they've sold the seats that would have otherwise been allocated to Celtic in the in the Broom one. So um, it's not going to be as easy as just going back to seven and a half, eight thousand tickets, is it? I mean, what's your take on it? Uh, has there been a sea change, and we will never return, and we should just maybe accept and you know 
all the broadcasters and the sponsors and all that kind of stuff who love this brand for the derby and think that uh, you, you need the away fans in the ground, we'll just need to suck it up. Do you think that's where we are? Well, it's kind of also been proved that you don't actually need away fans in the ground because we can go to Ibrox and still get a result. So that's <laughs> that's that's just proven to me a bit. No, it's, <clears throat> it is getting to the stage now where it has kind of went too far. But like you're saying, they've sold the seats. So how does it go back? Well, it can't go back. But obviously, there's safety reasons why Celtic fans can't get into Ibrox because we're stuck in a wee corner and getting pelted with all sorts. Now, you can put nets up, you can do this and that. Still got to be the same issue. It's You get kettled before getting into the stadium. I don't know what it's like being a Rangers fan going to Celtic Park, so I can't ever speak for them and personally I don't want to, but obviously they're all about, oh, well, we've all, we get the corner, you get they get more than the corner when they come to Celtic Park. And it's, to me, I would rather, if it's going to be this way, it's all Celtic fans at Celtic Park and if Rangers fans or Ibrox because that's just the way now I enjoy it. Well, it is enjoyable. Like Jim says, I mean, the atmosphere that night, the 3-0 game was unbelievable. And, you know, if you look back on that, we probably could have won that game 5 or 6-0, actually. Uh, it was a great performance and a massive part of that was the fans. Uh, Feed the Bear, you're supporting the channel and we must thank you for that. You fancy 3-1 tomorrow, a bit like Jared from Celtic Down Under, our other friends, um, Alan Morrison is on the Huddle Breakdown. Check them out on YouTube. And Laura Bradburn has launched Thoughts on the Hoops. Um, so get that checked out as well. She has the YouTube channel set up. You and boy Martin, I am feeling confident about tomorrow's <laughs> game. Love this. Posi- See what you've done, Jim. You have started a wave of positivity. And it is absolutely flowing through the Celtic fan base. Well done. Here's uh, a wee question but- for you then, Paul. Yes. <laughs> fans then. If, if we'd have been seven points clear... Mm. Playing really well, do you think the Green Brigade will be held back? Yes. Do you? I do. I do. I'm not so sure. I'm not so because sure. Because my mind, my mindset on that one, Jim, is that it was all to do with uh, UEFA. I, I just think the board looked at the the Palestinian situation and they knew that the the state of mind politically of the Green Brigade uh, was such that we would be making that type of demonstration and protest on the biggest football stage. And and I think that's that's where the bottle crashed. So moving back into it, if we were comfortable, I think I, I get the argument. I do get the argument. I'm going to ask the other guys, actually. It's a great question. Um, I would say, yeah, simply because I've got it in my mind that the board bottled it because of UEFA um, and, and Palestine. James, what do you reckon? Um, if we were more comfortable, do you reckon that uh, the board would have allowed the Green Brigade back? Um, I, I think I'd, I'd probably agree with you, Paul, that um, probably to do with UEFA in terms of the timing of it and allowing them back after the game was done. Like there was a lot of a lot of social media attention and a lot of a, kind of attention, media attention um, on obviously the the um, flying of the Palestine flags um, that night. So yeah, I think it was kind of more of a more of a, a safety thing that they didn't want. They didn't want any more attention being drawn towards the, the Green Brigade and the club with the views on Palestine. So, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you that the board did kind of bottle it with regards to UEFA. What do you reckon in the comments section? Let us know. I think it's a great question that Jim asks. And again, this is just my opinion. I'm speculating. Uh, Lloyd, what do you I reckon? Think from your point of view. Sorry, Lloyd, on you go. You. No, it's fine. No, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that they've been allowed back in just before this game tomorrow. 
I, I think that was always going to kind of be the plan. Well, the minute the Champions League was done, they were going to get back in before the Rangers game, just to generate that bit of atmosphere, get everybody back on side, be that holy trinity again, as Brendan yeah. and the clubs talked about, and basically be all singing, dancing as one. And this is what we're going to do tomorrow and get the result. Positivity. Positive. If that's the case, Jim, if that mm-hmm. is the case and, and what you say is right, then it's an admission by the board that, that they need them. Well, that's kind of the point I was alluding to, that because yeah. some of the comments that were made, not seeing who made the comments last week, about the war is over, the rebels have won type of thing. <laughs> Guy in the top left hand corner. Uh, that uh, went down a storm, that didn't it? Oh, aye, aye, but but but, and and, and I'm, I'm not taking any sides, and I'm not make, trying to make a point. I'm just kind of saying that there's more heat on the board because as the performances mm. and the results, more importantly, were really poor by not letting them in, we were shooting myself in the foot. And I think, uh, from what I can gather, there's a real kind of board versus the GB, GB versus the board, and neither of the two would want to back down. I think so. So why did? the board in theory back down. Well, Europe, yeah, get that totally. But they could have kept it going. And I think if we were seven, eight points clear, playing really well, there wouldn't be the need to do that as quickly. They might have just let them shoot for a bit more time, I think. But that's just it. That's a good point. It's an absolutely great point. Um, Let us know in the comments section what you think, either if you are watching live or later on in the catch-up. You could be out in your commute, your wee jog, family walk. Could be anything. Could be on a treadmill watching Axom or listening to us. I've heard about all sorts. Uh, the St. Rocks game, I was told, of a couple who love to snuggle up in bed and watch Too Axel. much information. <laughs> That's cut, exactly what I cut, said. Cut. There we go. I hope you're tuning in, by the way, um, and enjoying it as well. Magnet 67, afternoon, Axom team. Three points are essential tomorrow. They will try and bully us. We must play fast and run rings around them. I think the tempo is key. Um, there's there's a, a thing about this team, even though the St. Johnston thing is maybe an anomaly in this, where once we get into a tempo, I think it's difficult for us to, to change the rhythm. I think yeah, we've seen that a few times this season. And you're looking at games, even when there's an hour to go, like against Hearts, you think we're not going to be able to change the pace here. You and Boy Martin, I am feeling confident about tomorrow's game. They think they are better than us now and we'll come and have a go. This is perfect for us. I predict 4-1. Oh, I love this. This is positivity personified. Uh, we've also got Gaddafi Semtex. Uh, some of these names. <laughs> Incredible. Let's get the stadium rocking. I'm sure it will be rocking uh, tomorrow, and we are looking forward to it. We'll be covering the game. Um, James, Brennan Rogers has spoken about turning a corner. Um, the last two games, he reckons, were us turning a corner. Uh, and although I'm delighted that we got the two wins under our belt going into the big game tomorrow, I'm not quite sure we've turned a corner. I mean, we were playing two teams that didn't attack us. There was one shot on target, you know, between the two games. Um, and, you know, I think there's been a lot of comments this season. St Johnston, Brennan Rogers after the game says, it's the angriest I've ever been in my coaching career. And I told him that at half time. After the Hearts game, we get beat 2-0. He says, well, I'm not surprised. There's been a lot of kind of mixed messages coming from the gaffer. What did you make of this latest one? Those two games mean we've turned a corner. I think um, it's probably been a few kind of points of this season where you kind of thought we've turned a corner in terms of like the Lazio obviously game of the Champions League where we played really, really well and deserved, deserved to probably win the game. Um, we, that performance was brilliant and we probably didn't really back it up. And then Atletico Madrid was really good again got a result against one of the best teams in Europe and we probably didn't really build on it then again. So 
this and I've said it before, football isn't a linear game. Like just because you you win one week doesn't mean you're going to guarantee to put in the same performance the next. But in terms of the last few games, there's a couple of things that are are nice to have going in tomorrow. Like Kyogo obviously get on the score sheet against Livingston. That'll do his confidence and um, uh, do his confidence great for tomorrow. And Bernardo obviously scoring against Dundee, which is nice to get him off the mark. And he's going to be coming in tomorrow with loads of confidence. And obviously Mikey Johnson, who me personally, I wouldn't start him. I don't think Rogers will start him. But again, it's nice to have someone that will come off the bench that that's that is on some degree of form and and that'll do his confidence brilliant. So like, I wouldn't. I think saying we've turned the corner is probably a bit generous. But there's there is like signs of kind of a bit of optimism in terms of a couple of players that are coming in tomorrow on a on a bit of form and a bit of confidence. And in particular, Bernardo, I think. He's been absolutely brilliant, like kind of defensively and off the ball this season, especially in Europe. And obviously, has, has, he's only really had limited opportunities domestically. Which now's the time to save thirty percent on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Doesn't really make a lot of sense, but um, I think he obviously showed against Dundee that he can he can really um, he can make them runs in behind the, the opposition's defence and and be a, a goal scoring threat, which is which is what you need to be if you're going to play in play in the midfield for Celtic. And yeah, listen, I think there's there's signs of optimism going in tomorrow. I think that's the team of the, the the show today is is positivity. So yeah, I think um, tomorrow there's there's signs of optimism. But yeah, I'm confident going in. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've brought up Bernardo, so I'm going to run with that one as well because I think he's been a very interesting signing for us so far. Um, we lose Moy uh, through retirement, Lloyd, and we bring in three midfield players. We bring in uh, Home, Quan, uh, almost forgot about him, and Bernardo. Bernardo comes in alone. Quan's been featuring on the bench over the last couple of weeks as well, which is which is an interesting one. Um, I think home shown enough to to suggest that he's a player for the future, but Bernardo, we didn't really, I, I think, uh, understand what his role was. Um, like James said, he was getting pitched in for the big games in the Champions League, and you know you were looking at why that was, and it was because we needed that defensive cover, breaking up play, etc. I thought uh, for the first half hour against Tibbs at Easter Road, one of the worst performances of the season. I thought he was very good, uh, in actual fact, and then. You know, as James says there, against Dundee, he kind of shows that um, he can play domestically. He dug in, got that opening goal. Um, and I think that he's going to start tomorrow. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But where are we with Bernardo? I mean, is he a player that you think when we come to that point to make a decision on him, Lloyd, we are going to keep him long term? It's an interesting point you take. The thing is, as well, he obviously started all the Champions League games and yeah, we performed very well and 
most games, bar obviously Madrid away. But domestically, we've never seen him enough doing it. And so far, he's only come in against Livingston and Dundee. No, no offence to Livingston and Dundee, but they're just going to be teams that sit with 11 men behind the ball. So tomorrow, if he does start, could be very interesting for him. And it could be another kick-on for his Celtic career. Because if he is a big game player, if he's the man that gets that first goal, his confidence will be sky high. Mm-hmm. It really will be sky high. And obviously, you're saying he likes to sit back, but then that frees up McGregor and O'Reilly as well in the midfield area, which kind of a lot of fans have been asking for because they just think McGregor's far better going forward. And if Bernardo's got to help do that, then you keep him in the team. And then obviously, come summertime, you may be able to look at the decision because if we win the league and he contributes towards it, then decisions kind of made then, isn't it? Yeah, I think, a, I think it's a funny one, Paul, Bernardo, because this is where the Alan Morrisons of the world come in, I think, because I'm not sure what I'm seeing. <laughs> that sounds a bit mad. But just I'm thinking, well, what does Bernardo give us? And I, and I don't really know. And that's when an Alan Morris would come in with, he does this packing and he does mm-hmm. it. Well, does he? Does he really do that? Because I haven't noticed that. Okay, scored the other night, I noticed that. Basically, and one or two wee things, but in terms of he's not a kind of real attacking, you think, wow, now Jota does all these kind of things, or somebody tackle at scales. I can see this stuff, but Bernardo, for me, maybe it's just me, it's under the radar a wee bit, and I'm not sure what he's doing. And that's where you're Alan Watson to say that his stats are either really good at this, this, and this, or, or not so good at that, that, and that. And that would determine whether you want to buy the guy or not. But me personally, I'm finding it hard to see what he's actually doing. I don't mean that in a bad way, just I'm struggling a wee bit. No, I, I totally understand it because I think uh, just before, um, ironically enough, he, he started playing, we had the conversation on here. I think it was Kevin McCluskey and I spoke about you know, what is it that Bernardo does. And we had that input from Alan Morrison where he was t- talking about the defensive qualities, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he doesn't play a lot of forward passes because mm-hmm. that's not really what he's there for. It's like freeing up, as uh, Lloyd said, Matt O'Reilly, Callum McGregor to do that type of thing. Um, so it is an interesting situation, uh, Jim, where you then start looking at the data and say, all right, I can see why in the greater scheme of things he's in there. Uh, but there's only certain games, I think, that we need that type of player domestically. Tomorrow, absolutely. But uh, generally speaking, I don't think you really need that defensive element in your midfield. I really don't, because we should be able to, with the quality that we've got, we should be able to overcome teams with the tempo and the, the playmaking style of players that we've got. That's what I meant beforehand. That, I mean, in the SPFL, given who we are, I mean, you're a good goalkeeper, two big solid centre halves, and a kind of defensive midfield player. The rest should just be attack, 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 and that's why yeah. look across the across the city, both their fullbacks score goals, both their fullbacks make goals, both their fullbacks take free kicks, take corner kicks. I mean, we should have that as well. I'm not saying they're good defenders, but in the SPFL, I don't think you're good, good defenders. Two good centre halves, a good defensive midfield, and a good goalkeeper. I'm not sure we have all those, you know. Well, I'm going to take that point that you made there about attack, attack, attack. I agree with that. I've always thought this. Going for years and years at home games, Jim, that there came a point during O'Neill's tenure that I was thinking most teams are going to get absolutely done in 3-4-5-0. And we did we did take teams to the cleaners. I know it didn't mm-hmm. always happen. I looked at uh, Lil Z or Tam Selleck on, on Twitter this morning and it was a game that Henrik Larson scores the winner against Dunfermline and it was 1-0 at mm-hmm. Celtic Park. So it didn't always happen. But more often than not, we blew teams away. And I think there's been two massive changes, um, at least since Brendan came in. One of them is with the, the fullbacks, who 
you used to flood the midfield. They were inverted fullbacks. They would flood the midfield, become part of the attack. The other one was the, the wingers who actually played on the outside rather than cutting inside as much. Mm-hmm. And I think when Brennan Rodgers came in, he changed the role of those four players uh, to a large degree. And that's maybe why we've not seen as much from Maeda as we would have expected. Palmer comes in, a completely different player from Jota. And then the two full-backs, I don't think have been as good under Rodgers as they have been again you know, under Ange Postecoglou. But that's because we're not doing this attack, attack, attack thing. And then your two full-backs are being asked to defend a lot more. And that's where the questions are being raised about whether or not they were um, as good as we thought they were. Uh, James, you know, it's all about then adaptability uh, when it comes to Brennan Rodgers. Does he adapt to the players he's got at his disposal? Or is he so rigid in his thinking that he's just going to, you know, see this through until he gets the players in that he wants to play his system? Because these guys haven't turned bad players overnight. Greg Taylor, we were raving about him last season, about his performances. Um, And albeit he played well against Dundee and Livingston, he's not had a great season. Yeah, I think obviously it's Ange and Rodgers, it's it's a completely different system, like especially with the fullbacks in terms of um, Johnson and Taylor, obviously last year would have been inverting and um, getting more of the ball kind of in central areas and being able to to really kind of showcase their technical ability. Whereas this season, it's very much Rodgers. He likes he likes his fullbacks to overlap, and Craig Taylor doesn't have the the physical attributes to overlap. Like you know, he's he's brilliant on the ball and he's consistent in his distribution. But in terms of getting down the wing and, and offering that um that option for the left winger to come cut inside and for him to overlap, he doesn't really provide that and. I think if you look at Rogers, um his last stint at the club and how he set up, he obviously had Lustig right back and Tierney left back and Lustig would nearly tuck into a tree and Tierney would bomb down down that left wing and we don't have that we don't have that option at the moment. We've, we've obviously got Burnaby, who is um he's I think his career is finished at the club to be honest. He's he's obviously he doesn't really look like he's good enough. So I think kind of left back in, in January is gonna be a I think it's gonna be probably the priority for us to get a um, to get a real physical, quick left back to really bomb down that left channel, and yeah, I think you you kind of have to. Um, Roger will have to adapt, and he has adapted to the players at his disposal because he's not he's not going to be able to play the way he wants to play with his the current crop of players in terms of in particular fullbacks with with the the options we have there. Um, but I, th- I think to be fair to Rogers, he's he's obviously not really that happy with the squad, and he has adapted quite well. And um, I think there will be. There'll definitely be moves in January to kind of accommodate the way Rogers wants to play more um, than there was in the summer in terms of who we're looking at and the profile of players we're looking at because the profile of players we're looking at in, in the summer, obviously, just they don't really suit the way Rogers wants to play. You've brought up transfers. Why not? Um, I remember going back to when we signed uh, Lewis Palmer. Um, and we, we've got that press conference on the channel, actually, if you want to check it out on the YouTube. Um, and as always, somebody, you know, asked the question about why Celtic and, you know, the story comes out that he was uh, approached by Rangers. The same things happened yesterday uh, with Fabio Silva, Lloyd. And you know what? Part of me doesn't care. Part of me doesn't care. I remember it's like, um, I remember when Van Hoedonk signed for Celtic and, you know, we always put it down to the great recruitment. Davy Hay was pinpointing all these guys all over Europe, George Cadet, De Canio, Tom, Van Hoedonk. And then years later, I read a Kevin Keegan book and Kevin Keegan said every team in the top division in England was sent a videotape by Van Hoedonk's agent 
because he was getting touted all over the place. I don't read too much into that, to be fair. But see, when we go uh, in January to, to buy the, these players off quality, Lloyd, are they going to match up with the expectations of Brendan Rodgers? I mean, remember, we've been positive for 55 minutes here, Lloyd. That's like the number one question to ask at the minute, because all we've seen so far, I've not seen any names really that we've been getting linked with, apart from a Korean midfielder. So this is time, time will tell in January who's signing the players. Is it the board and recruitment team, or is Brendan actually signing off on players? If it's English players or British base players, I think you know then it's Brendan yeah. who's doing it. If not, then you've got to question. The thing is, January's always a, a tough window to do business, and we've all seen that before, that we've hardly brought major quality in, apart from the Maeda and Hatati here in O'Reilly that we brought them in. So it you don't ever really get a good January transfer window, but this squad does need one. We do. We do need that... Uh... The, the refreshing of the squad, Lloyd. Um, and I, I mentioned videotapes there, Jim, just for any of the younger viewers, uh, James French included. They're, they're these plastic things you used to put in a big, massive... I've got quite a few of them on these uh, shelves here. And I've also got on the shelves um, a great, beautiful little presentation that I got from the Ardoyne boys, Paddy Lavery and co. They sent it over. Brilliant supporters of Axon, so thank you very much. And this has given me a wee opportunity to put it up there um, as well. When it comes to to January, Jim. Um, as Lloyd says, you've seen a few names flying about. Uh, Scott McKenna's name's been mentioned in dispatches. I know that that uh, will not please a lot of people in the comments section. Um, what what do you think we're going to do in January, Jim? Do you think we're going to get three <clears> players? <throat> and if so, is it going to meet the expectations of the gaffer? Uh, if I had to say yes or no, then I would say no. I mean, we're, we're a particularly risk-averse club. We don't take chances as opposed to their neighbours across the city who are risk takers, you know, and I think there's there's always two points I think to any kind of transfer. One is the kind of statement of intent at the start, and no matter what you think of this guy, they've signed like and all the things I've seen. Well, he's a bit of a doddy sitter. They're going to pay big wages to the guy, you know. He's, he's been playing for Wolves. It's a statement of intent. He may be duff <laughs> at the end of the day, but it's a statement of intent. We wouldn't do that. That's not to say the guy would be any good, you know, because his scoring record isn't good, but neither was Sutton's when he was at Chelsea, for example. But that was a statement mm. of intent. We're going to pay six million quid for this guy. Martin you'll throw this guy's underachieving because then does the business. I don't think we'll make any big signings. I don't think we'll pay four, five, six million for anyone. As Lloyd said, the January window, I think that's a difficult time. Also, actually, my my main concern is the way we play football at the moment. You know, the people talk about you could get Mayowski at Aberdeen. He's not as good as Kyogo. So you bring him no. in for Kyogo, what kind of difference are you going to make if you're playing the same style of football? Mm-hmm. We, in my humble opinion, who knows nothing about anything, we need to change how we play football to get a better chance of winning games. And the thing I said earlier, about, imagine if we had two fullbacks who could put in the quality of balls that those two guys do at Ibrox. And if two wingers that can put in the quality of balls that, that Jota could do, we'd be scoring goals for fun. But we're not doing that. Yeah. We're playing tippy-tappy lots of different passes, trying to wear teams down, and we don't wear them down. And although we look at the last two games and we say, well, you know, we've turned a corner, my understanding is we've not won three games in a row Correct. this season, you know, so, you know, that's a number of corners that we haven't turned. In both of those games, it's nothing each at half-time. 
And in both those games, you're thinking, oh, oh, here we go again. You know, so that's a kind of negative thing to say. I need to stop saying that negative thing because it's going to be positive tomorrow. But we're, but we're not this kind of like all singing, all dancing team that 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 we that we should be. We really, really should be put against Livingston and Dundee and Hearts. Really poor Hearts team at home. We should be much better than that. The question is, 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 is about the transfer window. I don't think we'll sign the players that we'd like we signed. We'd like to sign. We've got the Asian Cup coming up as well. And my understanding is you can postpone games if you get at least three players away. I'd postpone mm-hmm. the games. I wouldn't take the risk of playing the games because that's the rules. You know, and the people can say, well, this, that, and the other. If that's the rules, you take advantage. I was a bit concerned when I heard the manager say, no, no we, won't, we won't postpone the games. Postpone the games. Mm. If you've got Easter Road and Patoji without Kyogo and without Maida and without O, and you can postpone the game, and we're not in Europe this, this after Christmas, you postpone the games. You do. I'm not, I'm not sure that the people are going to bring in they are going to be better than Kyogo and O and Maida. We have to play these games with these guys who are not as good. So I think we've made so many mistakes as a club this season throughout the club. If we don't postpone games, we could postpone. I think that's another mistake that we're making. I'm a bit concerned about that. So uh, I didn't want to be too, too negative at the end of the show, but maybe talk about transfers after the Sunderland game. Well, Jim, to be fair though, bringing that up, I agree with you. I think you do you do uh, postpone games because not only even if we do get the quality uh, that Brennan wants, they then have to hit the ground running, and that's yeah. no given regardless of the quality of the player uh, because they're going to be thrown right into the team. My concern was always about the centre forward. We we thought O oh, had a good chance of getting in the squad. Klinsman likes him. Um, we took it for granted. Kyogo would get in the Japan squad. We didn't see this loss of form. I don't know if they will get in now. But then you're thinking you're running with no recognised forward. We didn't really think about the wingers. We brought in three wingers in the summer and two of them are away to the Asian Cup. And Maeda's going to be away as well. Also, the other thing to mention is we're now back to the start of the season where we've got this really difficult run of games. Mm-hmm. away from home we're going to have to go to Patoji and Easter Road and Tynecastle the fortunate thing is Ibrox is not to the end of the sequence but we're back in that again and even if we win the game tomorrow they win the games in hand it's 22 points it's, it's still dead tight and we've got all these hard games so you have to play within the rules it's not as if we're avoiding tax or playing unregistered players <laughs> you know if the rules are this and it's okay. real G7 because I actually looked up this morning because I'm thinking to myself <laughs> that well you need a bit of research sometimes you know total pro in this but yeah, because yeah, I didn't know what the rule was. Because I'm thinking people say you can, you don't have to play the games. And you think, is that the case? And how does that actually work? And it says three. If you've, you're losing three or more players for international duty, you can postpone the game. So it's for me, it's it's a kind of it's a an obvious thing to mm-hmm. do. You know, and if we don't do that and we drop points, then it's no hard to to, to, to point the finger of blame. Who's whose fault it was? Why didn't you postpone the game? I agree with yeah. that, uh, Jim. Yeah. I do, and it's no running. It's no running scared. No, um, James. I'm just going to say you you were the um, the Shamrock Shadow, but now you are honestly the, the light is shining on you. It's yeah. shining on you like a beacon. Um, I'm just going to do a quick round the table, if you like, for predictions for tomorrow, guys, because you'll be watching the game tomorrow. I'm going to start with you, James French. You're uh, dialing in from Ireland. What is your prediction for the score tomorrow? Yeah, I think. I'd probably agree with Jim to be honest what he said at the start that has a draw written all over it in terms of in terms of both teams it's probably two of the weakest um, Glasgow teams we've seen in a while but I think it'll, it's obviously going to be tight and I'd probably say maybe a 2-1 probably would be my prediction um, maybe an, an all-winner off the bench would be would be brilliant That'd be nice Lloyd 
I think tomorrow is going to be a horrible game to watch because two teams really aren't great at all. But I'm going to 2-0 Celtic win. 2-0 Celtic and uh, Jim, you reckon it'll be a draw? Head says one each, but to stay positive, if we turn up, we win 3-1. Yeah. 3-1. I'm going to go 2-0. Uh, thanks, everybody. A thousand strong on this Friday afternoon. We're in that period be- between Christmas and New Year where you forget what day it is. All we know is that it's the day before the Rangers game. So please join us tomorrow, 30 minutes before kickoff. We'll know what the lineup is by then. We'll be talking about it. We'll watch the game. We'll get through it. Win, lose or draw, hopefully. It is not a loss, that's for sure. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you to James, Lloyd and Jim for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.